Vanessa Hartzell. Hayden shared a little bit about my ministry and what we do here in Las Vegas. About nine years ago, God just put on my heart that there was, um, right around that time nine years ago, it was when the economy had turned, women of faith stopped coming to Las Vegas because it just didn't make sense for them financially anymore to come here. Churches who normally took their women on retreats that were three or $400 to go to California for a week or whatever, they stopped doing those because women in the church didn't have money to spend on that. And I just sat there and I was like, well, I need something. Like, selfishly, I started this ministry because I was like, I just need something. I need something to gather with my girlfriends and just seek after Jesus. And so um, that was nine years ago. And God has, I always say, like, I did not say yes to all that he is doing right now. Like, I said yes to, it was a bait and switch. Like, I said yes to this one thing, this one time, to a women's conference um, called Refresher. It's coming up in April. And now, like Hayden said, we have mom camp. We have Refresher Girls, which is an event for teen girls, 6th through 12th grade. Um, we have She Speaks Truth, which just finished where we're equipping women on how to discover their story and then how to share it from a platform um, so that they can really make use out of the story God's writing in their lives. Um, so we, we highlight some of those women at She Speaks Truth. So you can guess what my passion and what my heart is. It's for women to know and love Jesus. And so Ignite Life exists to equip, empower, and mobilize specifically women in the church. So there aren't a lot of ministries who exist for the church, right? Most of the ministries exist to take the church and bring them to the city, which is super obviously important. But what I realized is that there were so many women in the church that just weren't spiritually healthy. And so we wanted them to get spiritually healthy so they could take that into the city and we could see Las Vegas changed. And so it has been a joy um, for me to lead that. And like I said, God's doing more than I ever said yes to, but it's a good problem to have. Um, I am a mom of three. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a little girl that's turning two next week. Like, I'm so sad about it, but not sad enough to have another kid, but sad enough that it makes my heart sad. We're leaving this baby season um, behind, and so it has been fun to watch them grow, and I have never learned more about Jesus than parenting my kids, because as I parent my kids, I realize that there's a greater parent in the room, and that's God. Like, God is parenting me as I'm parenting my children, and like, that's mind-blowing, and it changes the way that you parent, and it changes the way you love others uh, better. So this morning, um, so with all of that, you kind of know my world a little bit. I'm the ministry girl. I'm the wife of Evan, who um, runs a ministry in town called Club Christ Ministries. So we, two ministries, just share the same bed at night. So it gets interesting sometimes because we're both fundraising, and we're both, right, um, all these different things. But our lives are full. And I'm sure that yours is too. I don't tell you that to say, can you believe how full my life is? I say that so that you say, oh, we're the same. Um, we're the same. Our lives are run by schedules and chaos and so many things happening. And it's just that we live in this world right now that's a, a hustle culture. Um, and it's like if you're not exhausted by the end of the day, you're probably not doing it right. Um, and, and so we get into this comparing, right? We have social media. So we're like, oh my gosh, but she does all of that. Like I only do this and she does all of that. Like I don't homeschool my kids. Look at her. She's homeschooling her kids and she showered today. Like that's insane. Right. And so I look at these other people and I start to say, I need to do more. 
I need to do more. And then every once in a while, this has been my new aha moment, I, I like think back to where my mom was when I was about the same age as my kids. And I'm like, my mom, I'm sure she felt like she was going 100 miles per hour. But because we didn't have access to so much, like she had to talk on the phone that was attached to a wall, right? She couldn't, she couldn't be taking it with her. She couldn't be multitasking the way that, that, I was, that I'm multitasking right now. Not because my mom's lazy, but because she's brilliant. And she sat and she folded laundry while doing right next to me while I was playing on the floor. Like there were all these moments that happened where we were face to face and heart to heart um, that I learned so much as she went about her day. And so we live in this world that's just super fast paced. And I want to talk about this morning the fact that love and hurry are incompatible. Love and hurry are incompatible. Because we believe, we believe because everything tells us we can do it all. We can have it all. We can do it all. As long as we put in the time and the work and we hustle for it, we can have it all. And that's, that's not true. The reality is, is that hurry and love can't exist with one another. And there's um, a real thing. You can Google it called hurry sickness. It's real. I wrote down some of the symptoms at this website, and this is, like, real. I laughed while I was writing it down, but this is real. Um, some of the symptoms of hurry sickness, continual feeling of urgency, moving from one checkout line to another because it's shorter, right? Hurry sickness. I got to hurry. A need to always be in the fast lane or beat the person next to you when you're driving, right? Um, multitasking to the point of forgetting your original task. Guilty. I always say, like, if you give a mouse a cookie, it's like my real life. Like, I'm like, oh, I need to go do this. And I'm like, oh, but I noticed that. So now I'm going over here to do this. Oh, but I need to do that. So I go, and then it was like, what, did, what was I doing to begin with, right? We, we, we have this hurry sickness. Um, accidentally putting on your clothes inside out and backwards. Like, this is a real symptom of hurry sickness. Not fully stopping at stop signs hurry sickness. It's this idea that I can never actually be present enough in this moment to do the moment, right? I have to be going to the next one. And I think as women, we struggle with this way more than men do. They struggle with it differently um, because we multitask better. <laughs> and our greatest gift has, has become something that like has started to kind of hurt us. Because we don't realize, we don't notice, we're not present. We don't realize what's happening right here in this moment. And so um, a life-giving conversation doesn't happen in a hurry. Think about the last time someone loved you well. They probably weren't in a hurry when they did it. When that person showed up to drop off the meal, but they said, hey, how are you? What's going on? How's your family? What's happening? Right? And they, they were present with me for a moment. Um, and God has just been constantly bringing this to my mind over and over again. In fact, when I was talking to Nina about today, SOS Radio had just called and asked me to do this, like, interview for them. I'm like, sure, whatever. And the whole thing was about how to be present in the moment. And I'm like, gosh, God, what are you trying to do to me? Because you keep shoving this in my face over and over again. Like, I think I struggle with hurry sickness. I think that being in the moment too long Something happens, and I think, oh, my gosh, I need to go to the next thing. 
I need to go on to the next thing. There's something else waiting for me. I'm the person who, like, my husband is so good at napping. He's so good at it. Like, he can just, like, like I'm going to go. Like, he doesn't nap every day, right? But he, on Sunday, the kids are crazy because they're crazy. And he just is like, I'm going to lay down for a minute. And he falls asleep for, like, 30 minutes. And I'm like, what is that? I, like, think about laying on the couch. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. I have so many things to do. Like, I can't do this. Right? I need to go here. I need to do that. The laundry, I just need to throw that in. And if I'm going to play with the kids later, I better do this now. And Right? Like, it's difficult for me to just be present in the moment. So I've started this new thing where for an hour a day, I just put my phone in another space and I'm just present with my kids or just present with somebody coming over. I mean, how many times do you like meet with somebody for coffee or get together? And they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, it's just my husband. Don't, you know, I just have to answer this. And it's so difficult. And like, I understand there's things that come up, right? But that's our normal. Our normal is that our phone sits on the table with us when we're trying to have a life-giving conversation. And so for me to love you well across the table from me means that my phone's going to need to go somewhere else because that's the number one competing distraction in my life right now. It is not my kids. It is my phone. My phone is more of a child than my children are, right? It, it rings, and I have to answer it. It dings, and I have to see who it is. My kids ring and ding, and I'm like, you need to wait a minute. You need to say, excuse me, right? And I parent them, but I'm not parent. I'm parenting my phone, right? But I'm not doing a very good job of it. And so some of these life-giving, loving moments aren't taking place simply because I'm just always in the next moment. So I wanted to give us some opportunities to do that today. Um, I'm going to read out of Ephesians 5.2 real quick. Um, it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. And that word walk, I'm sure you're familiar with it, ironic, right? Um, Is that one of the most annoying things to me about Jesus in the whole world is that he walks everywhere. Like the Bible never says like, and then he broke it off into a mad sprint to get to the next location, right? Like it never said like he had to pick up the pace because he was going to be late. He was late. Lazarus died, right? Like he was late and he still walked to get there and he still stayed present with the person that needed to be healed along the way. He walked. And there's this, the the normal walking pace is three miles per hour. Three miles per hour. And so I wonder if we need to start walking with God at three miles per hour. That's how we get to know God. Sometimes when it comes to ministry, I take off in a mad sprint. I'm like, do you know how many things we have to do? Go, 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 right to all my volunteers. We got to do all this stuff. Let's go. But what if we did ministry at a walking pace? What if we walked with God, right? What if we just slowed our roll a little bit so that we could be present? I think about in Genesis, like, The Bible says that Adam and Eve walked with God. It's everywhere in the Bible, this word walk. And it's this three-mile-per-hour God that we serve. And he's like, hey, I want to do this with you, but you're five feet in in front of me. And I'm a three-mile-per-hour God. So if you want to do things with me, if we want to do ministry together, if we want to do life together, then you're going to need to slow down to about three miles per hour. You need to just be present with me. And so as it talks in there, it's a, it, it, 
makes this line of comparison of walking to loving, loving sacrificially. When we walk, we love. That's just what happens. And I had a professor in college that said, the definition of love is the sacrificial willingness to serve. If there's no sacrifice, it's not actually love. So as we walk three miles per hour, we're going to have to sacrifice something. We're going to have to say, I can put my phone in my purse for an hour so that I can just walk in this moment, right? I, I think about some of the moments that I had growing up. We had a cabin. I'm from Michigan originally. We had this cabin on the lake. And as I think about going on walks, I don't know how many of you do that. Does anybody, like, go on a walk like it's a thing? Okay, right? Yes. Okay, so I think about in my cabin growing up that my mom and my grandma would say, hey, Vanessa, you want to go on a walk with us? There was, like, no destination, right? Because when we got to the cabin, like, life ceased to exist outside that space. The cell service was terrible. Like, everything was, right? You were just present. And so we would go on these walks. And it was on a walk that, like, things that I would have never found a place to say to them otherwise surfaced. Like, there's not a place in life to be able to look at somebody and be like, I'm actually really struggling right now. Like, when somebody asks, how are you, that's not what they're looking for, right? How are you? Good, good, good. Let's do it. Go, right? And so there's no access point to have those conversations, like, the, the friend that's like, but how are you really, right? Those are the people who understand a three-mile-per-hour God. Like, I want to just linger in this moment with you for a minute. I want to see for real. And, and I know not every moment of our lives can work like that, right? School starts at a certain time every day. And every day, we're going to be hurrying as we go out the door. It's just a thing. No matter if you wake up 30 minutes earlier, you're still going to hurry walking out the door. And I get that. But there's other moments where if we could just slow down and walk with somebody. My husband and I have started doing this thing on Sunday nights. Um, it's like an intentional time for just the two of us. If you are looking for a, a book or a devotional to go through with your spouse, it's called Closer. It's like life-changing. I love it. Um, and it's really short, but it gives these awesome questions at the end of it. Questions that when you're doing life together would never come up. Have I loved you well lately? What can I do to show you love? Right? These things that normally just don't, I don't have time for that. And there's not space for it. It's not even a time thing. There's no space for it, right? So when you get together with your girlfriends, when you go to Bible study, when you're having coffee, when you're whatever you're doing, what can you create some space for? Hey, what's God been teaching you lately? That's a three-mile-per-hour question. I want to know more about that right? How, how have you been feeling lately? What's been going on at work, right? There's some things that say, like, I want to know more. I want to create time and space for you. How can I be praying for you, right? These are questions that we don't ask when we're in a hurry. When, we, when we're in a hurry, we say, hey, good to see you. Hope you're great. And we tell them how they're feeling, right? Hope you're great. Hope you're awesome. Saw your picture on Facebook. See you later, right? Um, and we, we tell people what's going on in their world. I saw that you went here. It looked like a great time, right? I had a friend, um, my little boy was sick last night, and so I had a friend text me and said, oh, we missed you at this outing. I hope you're all healthy. I'm like, we're not. 
we're, we're drowning over here, like in puke and sheets, right? Like that's, that's what's actually happening in my life. And what did I say back to her? We're, we're getting there. We're doing okay. You know, because there was no space for that. There was no space for authenticity. There was no space for honesty. And so as we deepen these relationships with other people, like that's something we have to create space for because it does not happen naturally. I'm not naturally going to walk up to my husband and be like, hey, tell me about how God's just working in your life. As we're walking out the door, as we're, right, like, there's no space in our culture for that. And so one of the things we've had to do is actually set up time. It's like an appointment on our calendars. This is the space for that. Because if you have young children, you know, like, even that time gets interrupted, right? And so setting up some boundaries so that what can I do to create more space? Putting my phone away. When I sit down, I'm not going to turn on the TV. I'm just going to sit here for a minute. Um, I think you were in the rest session at mom camp um, where one of my new things that I do to create some like space in my life is that when I brew my coffee, I smell it every morning and everybody's like, you're so weird. And I'm like, listen, that helps me get present. Like I enjoy coffee, but I don't enjoy it because I slop it in a mug and run out the door and I'm like, oh, 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 right? And I don't enjoy it, but it's something that I really, I really enjoy. And so creating some space in my life. So when my coffee brews, I pick it up and I go, and it's just a moment that reminds me like three mile per hour, Vanessa, three mile per hour, just slow down, smell your coffee, taste your food when you're eating it, right? That was good. You're like, was it? Was it good? Like, did you taste it? Yeah. And so just creating that space. So I want to create a really awkward moment for you right now. What I would like us to do is for you to find a partner and turn your chairs facing one another. So it's okay if you need to come over here. Over here, We'll move them back in just a minute. So if you'll just find a partner and turn your chairs so that they're facing one another. Ready, set, go. And you'll just turn facing one another. Seeing them is more important than seeing me, I promise. Does everybody have a partner? Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do is you're going to just look at your partner. Just look at them and giggle because, you know, you want to. This is so weird. Why is she making us look at each other, right? Okay, so you are going to do your very best to look at them and not giggle, right? But just to look at them. And I'll tell you when you can tell. It's not a staring contest. You can blink. Okay, you're just going to look at the person in front of you. Nope. You're just going to look. So now, instead of thinking about yourself, I want you to think about the other person. Not the insecurities of I should have done my hair different. Is, is, are my glasses on straight? Is my right? But look at the other person across from you and see them. Who did God choose for you to sit across from? Who is she? What does she carry? 
when you look at her, you see a little piece of God. What is it? And I want you to pick a word for that person across from you. When I look at you, this is who I see. Now I want you to share that word with your partner. Go ahead and tell them, when I look at you, this is what I see. And I want to ask you some questions. And I know I see tears. I've done this a million times, and every time I see tears, you're not the first one. Because you can look up this way if you'd like. This is what tends to happen. We don't actually see people. We look at them, right? We didn't say a word, and you were able to minister to the heart of the person across from you without saying a word. That's what it feels like to live three miles per hour. Some of us haven't looked at our spouses like this. We haven't looked at our children like this. We haven't looked at our favorite best friend in the whole world like this to say, Oh, I see you. And then there's this other part of like being seen, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, I feel so vulnerable. Like I was just seen by someone. Like our, our hearts, our souls saw one another as opposed to seeing someone in our cerebral, you know, like he was talking about, seeing someone in our strength, seeing someone like, how can I fix them? I'm sure that wasn't your thought going into this. Oh, this girl, how can I fix her? right? The reality is like, oh, who is this? What is she carrying? What is her greatest strength? What is God doing in her? Why did God choose to match me with her right now? What does she have inside of her that is a gift to me and something that I can offer to her in this moment? Um, there's, so I want to give you just like two minutes for you to have the same encounter with Jesus. So you don't need to look at your partner. You can move your chairs back if you want to. And I just want you to sit quietly in the presence of Jesus and see him and let him see you. So go ahead and do that.
what would have happened if Moses was walking in the desert and scrolling on social media past the burning bush and he walked right past it? What would have happened if Ruth, in a pit of despair, grieving the loss of her husband, escaped life by binge-watching Netflix and never was present for Naomi? What would have happened if Samuel, as a little boy, laying in his bed, God calling his voice, and when he wakes up, he puts in his AirPods and goes back to sleep? What if in this room, the Father is so very near, but there's too much noise in our lives to hear him? What if he's speaking and calling to you, but we can't hear him because there's just too much noise in our lives? So what I'm not talking about is religion. <laughs> I'm not talking about another rule. I, we're not going to burn our phones when we leave this place, right? Like, it's a tool. It's a device. We need it. We can't function in today's culture without it. What I'm not talking about is like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're condemning you if you have AirPods. I have them, too. They're the greatest thing ever, right? And so I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is, like, look at your relationship with some of those things. Maybe God is calling you deeper. Maybe God is calling you to be a part of something huge. Maybe God wants to reveal himself to you, and you only expect him to do that when you're praying. God, you may only reveal yourself to me when I'm in church and when I'm seeking you. But when you want my attention, a burning bush, you want my attention. God, give me eyes to see that, right, that I wouldn't be so distracted. They say that the, um, like, likes on Facebook, Instagram, social media, all that stuff, actually, when it was created, that there's an adrenaline release that comes with it. There's an adrenaline release when our phone says, one. Something inside of us goes, <gasps> Somebody wants to get in touch with me. I wonder what they want to say, right? I wonder what they liked. I wonder what they. Are. I wonder what's happening in the world that I'm missing. And we get this little adrenaline drip. And what used to happen is that people would get adrenaline um, addictions from jumping out of airplanes and seeing the wonders of the world. But we have our adrenaline addiction coming from our cell phone that we carry around. That we're actually addicted to those numbers that show up to say somebody was thinking about you, and you need to know right now who it is. I don't say this to you to get out of judgment. Like, I'm that girl. I'm that girl that's like, oh, I got a text message. Somebody must need something right now. How many times have you gotten a text message that it is so urgent, right? There's that one time. There's that one time when somebody called you because something crazy, tragic happened and you needed to know. But the other five billion times you look at your phone, it's usually somebody saying, cute shirt. I like your shoes, right? All of these little adrenaline drips that just lead us going back saying, like, I need more. I need to be in a hurry. We're in a hurry, but we're in a hurry to do some of the things that aren't really the things that are most important, right? And so it makes us look at the, the patterns of our life. I want to read this verse to you. I need to make sure I have the right one because I have it. Mark 6, 31. This is the, the pattern that... God or that Jesus set up in the life of his ministry. It says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. For many more were coming and going and had no leisure even to eat. So it's not saying that our lives can't be full. Jesus's ministry was such that their day was so crazy. They were doing so much ministry. He's like, you didn't even have time to eat. That's how full our day was. 
But here's the pattern. We work hard. Now we're going to go away and rest hard. We're going to work hard. We're going to come away and rest hard, right? And so we have to put the pattern in place so that we're doing and we're going and we're being, like he had said on the stage today, that like ministry is good. You should desire to do ministry. You should desire to see people coming to know Jesus. But have you put a pattern in your life to then say, now I'm going to go and rest and reflect on what God has done. Now I'm going to go and sit a while with Jesus and just rest in his presence for a little bit. Um, the other story that I'm sure you've heard of a million times is the story of Martha and Mary. And you're like, oh, don't do Martha and Mary. We all know it. But I just want to give you a little different look. Um, sorry, here we go. So I would venture to say that the feeling when you first looked at your friend across from you that's Martha. When you focused and you sat and you got past the distractions and you saw her, that was Mary. Attach a feeling to that. Because then it's not just Martha and Mary. Now you can recognize when those behaviors are happening in yourself. When you feel that feeling of like, oh my gosh, this is so out of control and crazy and I don't know what we're doing. And you're probably living in hurry. Okay, what's next? Okay, how do we get there? What are we going? We got to get this. Anybody going, right? But that feeling of seeing somebody, mark that feeling in your gut. That's a three-mile-per-hour God. That's somebody who is present. We have this story um, of Mary and Martha. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to come and help me. It's like a dysfunctional home. You realize this, right? Like Mary's sitting right there and she says, Lord, tell my sister to get up and come and help me. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. What's interesting is that the Lord does not say, you are doing too much. You are doing, Martha, Martha, you are doing too much. Come and sit. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. He like addresses a spiritual issue in her, not the behavior, because he knows if he addresses the behavior, she's just going to be anxious and troubled about something else. That's a momentary fix, right? When we address the behavior, I know there's some babies in here, right? When we address the behavior with our kids, it's only a matter of time before they do it again. When we address the spiritual heartache going on, then we're creating disciples. Then we're, we're moving them to a place that they've never been before. But behavior fixes aren't where we find Jesus. We find him at the heart and soul issues. We find him at the core. We find him going to that spiritual issue within her. And what's so interesting is that we find Mary at Jesus' feet. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with what Mary's doing, right? He had talked about not just good things, but God things. Like knowing that differentiation between some. Most of the time, not, we're not like faced with these problems of like, should I rob a bank or should I go to church? Rob a bank, go to church. I don't know. We're not usually, like, those aren't the, the problems we find ourselves in. It's like, 
should I go to this event tonight that is going to lead me closer to Jesus? Or I've been gone all week. Do I need to invest that in my family? I don't know what's right. I don't, those both sound like good things to me, right? And so our heart posture has to be in a place where we can hear from God because on your own, you won't know the difference between those two things. You won't. That's when you have to go back to God and say, God, can you please tell me what I'm supposed to do right now? Would you give me peace? I already know the answer nine out of ten times, but I don't want to hear it. Nine out of ten times, I'm like, I should probably stay home. But the FOMO extrovert in me is like, I have to be with the people. Like, I need to be with the party. What if I miss something? That's me. But I have to seek God and let him speak to me in that, right? So we look at the heart issues or the um, heart posture in this. Nothing that Martha was doing was wrong, but her heart posture was over here. Anxious, busy, worried, troubled. We look at Mary's heart posture And she's as low as you can get on the floor at the feet of Jesus. You ready for me to tell you something that's going to blow your mind? Like, this is crazy. So then, fast forward, re-forward, I don't know. I don't know the the exact, I guess it's after this. Lazarus has died. Jesus comes into town. And Martha comes out to greet him. And she says, Jesus, had you been here, he would not have died. I know, I know he's going to rise again on the last day, just like everybody else. I know that, but you weren't here, and it's troubling my heart that, that you weren't here for this. And he says, call for your sister Mary. So Mary comes out. Do you know the first thing she does? She falls to Jesus' feet, and she said, Jesus, had you been here, I know my brother would not have died. Same thing different heart posture, right? Her, Martha's theology was not wrong. Her theology, her cerebral, right, theology was exactly right. Had he been there, he probably wouldn't have died. Guess what? He is going to rise again on, you know, when, when Jesus comes back again. And all of the, her theology was right, but her heart posture was still anxious and still troubled. Mary's was deeper, intimate, heart posture, feet of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, had you been here? You ready for this to blow your mind? There's a third account, third account. Worst time of her life, she's at the feet of Jesus. Everyday life, a guest comes to her home, right? She's at the feet of Jesus. Third time, they're having a celebration. They're having a party. And Mary comes out with some perfume. Guess where she goes? straight to the feet of Jesus, and she wants to just pour this perfume over the feet of Jesus. Every single time we see Mary, straight to the feet of Jesus. It didn't matter if it was the best time of her life, the worst time of her life, or just everyday living. She was constantly at the feet of Jesus. So the question for us is, where is our heart posture? Where is it that we tend to go and lean on Jesus when it's the good times we are praise you Jesus maybe we're not maybe in the good times we're like Jesus who because I did this I worked hard for this that's why it happened right we neglect Jesus sometimes in the good times or we celebrate Jesus in the good times thank you God for these blessings right in the hard times sometimes in the hard times we're like cursing Jesus Because why did you lead me here? This is awful, and I don't know where you were, and we're really upset. Sometimes in the hard times, 
we are clinging to Jesus and we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus there, right? So we have optional responses. But then the hardest part is that day in and day out. Not high highs, not low lows, but just today. How do I put myself at the feet of Jesus today? And I think a lot of it starts with just some spiritual disciplines. It starts with just forming some habits because spiritual disciplines aren't the things that change us. It's the space that spiritual disciplines create that make room for the Holy Spirit to change us, right? So the discipline itself of fasting, that's not going to change you. You can fast and fast and fast and never eat again and you'll get thin, but it won't change your heart. You can fast for 21 days and invite Jesus into that And your life could be changed forever because that spiritual discipline of fasting didn't change you. It's your heart posture. It's the Holy Spirit being invited into those activities that changes us. So I just want to pray over us and and breathe life into you this morning that all we need to do is just slow down. Take a breath. Feel that air fill your chest because when you focus on your breathing, you realize that you are breathing. You are alive. A rose, a diamond, a pearl, the most stunning of all God's creation, not just a girl, but why? Because you are alive. And I don't just mean that in the sense that there's blood running through your veins or the fact that the words that I'm saying make sense to your head the minute they hit your brain. No. I mean, the same God who gave you ears to hear and breath to take, he's the same God who called your sleeping soul to wake. Your body is a symphony for the one who wrote it in all eternity. Your heart beat today, not because you told it to, but because God caused it to. And just like Lazarus, Jesus said, wake up, and his soul said yes. So the next time you look in the mirror and you're feeling less than blessed, just stop. Take a breath. Feel that air fill up your chest. Because when you focus on your breathing, you realize that you are breathing and that you are alive. Bow your heads in prayer with me. Jesus, we're in such a hurry. And it's not always for bad things, God, but we're missing out on you because we're running so fast. Jesus, would you just help us slow our pace to three miles per hour? God, that we would create some places in our lives where we can just truly walk with you. God, sometimes it's scary to be seen by you. But we just welcome those moments in because it's in that vulnerability, God, that you can just meet our very needs inside of our hearts. So, Jesus, when we forget, because we're going to, When we forget and we start running again, God, would you give us that moment to be, just be at your feet? Would you give us that reminder of that feeling of what it felt like when we were seen and when we were looking at someone, when we were present in the moment? Jesus, would you build some habits into our lives to place our phone somewhere else or to um, turn the TV off or to just simply sit in a quiet and smell our coffee for a minute? Jesus, we know that you want all of our affection. And we want to give it to you. So will you help us just cut through the distractions along the way, God, and be present with you? 
I just pray a blessing over these women, God, that as they continue to come back tonight and tomorrow morning, God, that you would just weave more of this story together, that you would use obedient lips from different speakers, God, to just create this incredible story that you have in mind for one woman who's sitting here. Jesus, would you change us? In your name I pray, amen.